O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a relief it is, I think, to be in church in Advent. Really in any year, as the hurly-burly of Christmas shopping and planning parties heats up, but perhaps especially this year, as the nation continues to roil after the election and as we hear news of terrible fires in Tennessee and a shooting at Ohio State. So as always, Advent peace and quiet arrive right on time, just when we need some quiet contemplation. And in this quiet, I hope that you are able to consider how you want to prepare your heart and your home for Jesus again this year, this Christmas. I hope that you are beginning to, you're using the beginning of this new year to imagine your hopes for Christmas, to enter into the larger hopes and dreams of God. For as presiding Bishop Michael Curry often says, as Jesus followers, we must seek to transform the nightmare that the world often is into the dream that God intends. And this, after all, this is the season of hope and dreams. The season when we look to the good news that the light shines in the darkness and it will not be overcome. So in this season of hope, the season of quiet contemplation of candles, it's a surprise, always, at least it is to me, Advent after Advent, to run into cranky John the Baptist with his shaggy hair and his unkempt clothes and his locust breath as he calls us to repent and threatens us that the Messiah is coming and he's coming to judge with a winnowing fork in his hand and he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff, the good from the bad. But here he is, our friend John the Baptist, just as he always is on the second Sunday of Advent. Now John can seem like a real bummer in this season, his calls for repentance cramping our Christmas preparations. We don't like, well, I don't like, to think of repentance because that makes me think of sin, of where I've gone wrong, fallen short, where our community, our city, our nation has gone off the tracks. So we might like to avoid cranky old John during this season, but it appears that we just can't get to Jesus without John. We just can't get to the manger without going through the wilderness. We can't get to grace and mercy without first repentance. 
And though we might shrink from John, the Baptist calls for repentance, we can't help but notice that as he calls out, repent for the kingdom of God has come near, that the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Why? <laughs> Why were people streaming out towards the one who is calling them a brood of vipers and telling them that they have to repent? Why were they streaming out towards him to be baptized for repentance, even as he was warning them that another was coming, one who would baptize them with fire and the Holy Spirit? We, me, who fear sin and judgment might find this quite curious. But what we might see as a threat, these folks saw as a promise. They saw it. They felt it as hope. You see, in this time, the people were anticipating, they were longing for change. They knew their scripture. They knew the Isaiah that we read today, the one promising that when God sends God's Messiah, the oppressed would receive a leader, a king greater than David, who would have wisdom and understanding, who would deal fairly with the poor and the meek, who would change the very nature of creation so that predator and prey, wolf and lamb, calf and lion would lie down together. When the savage and proud would become meek, and mild. Bears would graze in grass. Lions would eat straw like the oxen. Even the most vulnerable children could play over the dens of snakes and be safe. And in John the Baptist, the people hear this prophecy being renewed. They know that the world is out of balance. Their lives are off kilter. The government oppresses them, and John is promising them a way to the kingdom of heaven. And here's the way. Repent. Repent. And anyone can do this according to John. We don't have to belong to a particular group or religion. Rather, we are to repent which is not as bad or as threatening as you might think it sounds. After all, to repent is to turn. It's to turn from the old ways of doing things, to turn away from despair and hopelessness that we, that our lives, can never change. It's not regret. It's not just feeling bad about stuff. Rather, it means turning away from the old. It means waking up. It means changing things so that we might make our life, our community, open to the one who is coming, open to the kingdom of heaven. And that is not scary. It's hopeful. No wonder folks were streaming out to see John the Baptist. They knew that the way they were living wasn't working. They knew that society was structured in a way that was not fair or life-giving. 
And so they were ready for change. They were ready for the kingdom. And in this Advent season, are we? Are we so eager for the kingdom, for God's dream, for the mercy and love of God that we're willing to go to the wilderness? Are we willing to change direction? Where do we need to repent? In our own lives, in the community? Now, you might be tempted right now to go into New Year's resolution mode and think of a million and one ways you feel inadequate and need to change. That is not this. Repentance is turning directions so that we might be ready for God this Advent and at all times. So what if we each thought of one way we need to turn this Advent in our own lives and in our community? I know I need to turn in my own life away from busyness and self-importance and turn towards time for quiet and time to be present with others. If I allowed more space in my life, I feel certain I would be more ready to see, to receive Christ. What about you? What do you need to turn from? Anger? A lack of forgiveness? Self-pity? What do you need to turn towards? But repentance is not just about our own personal lives. It's about the community. And I know I have many concerns about the direction of our society now. It's a long list. Whether we're poised to destroy God's beautiful creation or exclude people because of who they are or shred the safety net that protects all of us but especially the most vulnerable among us. Well, I can't turn towards repairing all of those things this Advent. It's only four weeks after all. It's way too overwhelming. But here's what I can do. I can reach out to those who are most frightened right now by working with Indican on their current campaign to ask President Obama to provide amnesty for immigrants. I can reach out to those who are frightened right now by contacting the Muslim Alliance of Indiana to see how we might support them in these days ahead. What about you? What do you think we need to turn from? What do we need to turn towards? How might you help?
So John the Baptist shows up right on time, as he does every year, to shake up our Advent. But we needn't fear him, nor the repentance he calls us to, for the promise of John the Baptist is that we can turn and turn again and again daily if we have to, and with God's help, we and our world can change. We run from repentance because we think it's all about me, the one who messed up and needs to be ashamed. But God is much more interested in the repentance that heals, that turns us and the world towards God's dream for the world. John the Baptist offers us the opportunity again to turn, not focusing on our sins, but on what's possible as we turn away from what the world offers and live into what God asks of us and promises us. And as we do that this Advent, preparing our hearts and our lives to welcome Jesus again, I think we'll find ourselves surprised, as surprised as John the Baptist must have been, to find that when God comes into our lives, he comes not with a winnowing fork so much, but with a cradle. Not in shock and awe, but as a child. God comes not to judge us so much as to love us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.